we talk to New Zealand graphic designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise and today I'm talking to Grant Alexander. Grant Alexander is currently the design director at On Fire Design in Auckland. He started his career in 1969 at Designscape magazine, co-founded Designworks with Ray LeBond in 1982 and in 2000 formed another partnership with his daughter Kate to create Studio Alexander. Grant, hi, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks Louise, it's good to be here. Grant, I'd like to start with asking you where you've come from. How did you get into graphic design? Well, I think I have to blame my mum. Um, in 1966, I think she, she had a hunch there was this thing called design. I didn't certainly know about it. Um, she found me an excellent careers advisor in Napier. Um, uh, my drawing and art marks were excellent, but everything else was shit. So, you know, I think she thought we can probably rescue this with some help from, <laughs> from other professionals. So I remember my counsellor saying, how about horticulture? No. How about jewellery design? No. Well, what about mm, graphic design? Mm, does it involve drawing? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so that's pretty much how it went. I think there was this course in Wellington, the design at the Polytechnic. So I applied and got in. Uh, I had to draw an egg beater. That was quite challenging. A pencil drawing of an egg beater, which I think I still have. Um, so, yeah, that's how it all started. My mother used to bring books into the house, magazines. Um, I think she uh, would like to have been building a new house and, and, uh, and decorating a new house. So those sorts of magazines all, always came into, into, into home. And so obviously some design stuff rubbed off. Yeah, um, But it was pretty unusual having a full-time working mum in 1960. Um, She was the um, driving force in the the family, an entrepreneur, owned three retail businesses, and uh, so she encouraged both the creative side and the business side uh, of my my hobbies and development. So in between reading Mad Magazine and Beano Comics, obviously something to do with design did rub off early. And did you have any other um, mentors, any uh, other designers that inspired you early on? Uh, well, at design school, um, I quickly fell in with a bunch of musicians. Um, you know, us, you know, us young young folk who took ourselves pretty seriously. We we wanted to be famous musicians ahead of famous designers. Um, so um, I would t- take home Downbeat magazine from the school library, from the Polytech library, and would spend more time reading about jazz musicians like Coltrane and and. Uh, you know, Yosef Latif and, and Miles Davis, uh, and less reading about designers. You know? So we all wanted to be, in, in, we, we were all inspired by, by music. Well, many of us, the so-called cool group, were more inspired by music than we were by design. Um, and I think, you know, that we weren't taught art history. Um, or design history. We may have had one or two lessons. I probably skipped them. Um, so there was a big gap in our learning. Um, uh, so, yeah, we've, we knew about the designers that designed all the album covers of the time, um, you know, those, those artists and those design groups um, and those photographers were the ones that, you know, that um, we noticed. But it wasn't until I um, left design school and joined, the design, joined Designscape as, as a designer and they had a wonderful library. So I started teaching myself by using their library uh, about art history, about design history, 
um, Abitari magazine, Domus magazine, the Italian, you know, best Italian magazines at that time. Um, New Zealand art catalogues, the history of New Zealand art. Um, and I was also rubbing shoulders with, um, you know, the first pioneering product designers in New Zealand um, during that, that employment. So that opened up my eyes to the wider aspect of design in New Zealand. Did you ever play um, an instrument? Uh, I was a drummer in the band, yes. Yeah, yeah that's, you know, it's sort of, I've heard that before from quite a few people. And I was a drummer in a band. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was, music was, music was everything for us, you know, there in those days. You know, design, um, it took a while before design became, you know, took over from music. Yeah, maybe, um, you know, by the time I left um, New Zealand to go to Britain, yeah, design had, design had, but it came to me also via, via film. As well, you know, I did a postgraduate year in photography. Um, I'd spend more time going to film festivals and, you know, watching Fellini films and Jean Luc Godard films. Um, you know, so the you know, the, as a discipline, uh, filmmaking and photography had more of an impact, you know, on my desires at that time rather than pure design. Well, I think it's certainly true that we all. Um seek inspirations from outside of graphic design particularly and so that you know would be certainly true in terms of music and, and film influences. So as a young designer you uh, spent four years overseas working in London specifically at Nova magazine with David Hillman and I recently re-listened to your talk from the Creative Mornings Auckland in 2011 in which you said I learnt more from David Hillman in two years than I've learnt from anybody else, either previous or since. Yeah. Tell us about this experience. <laughs> oh, well, um, you know, it was a lucky day when I got the call from, from David Hillman to say that um, he had appointed me as, as um, art assistant, which is the title, uh, at Nova Magazine in London. Um, I'd been there for mm, about a year. Uh, I'd been working at another magazine. Uh, I, I was I was pretty broke. I took the pretty much the first job I got working for a scientific magazine, and it was driving me crazy. So um, I was applying for jobs on a regular basis. Um, from the day I landed my first one, I was applying for the next one. Uh, and so when I landed this one, it was it was you know I was pretty happy. Um, David was a graduate of the London School of Printing. Um, uh, understood typography inside out, uh, and and um, because of the standing of Nova Magazine, established um, gradually through um, other art directors and designers that had been employed there before David, especially Harry Pecinotti, who was um, uh, a very high-profile fashion photographer, stroke art director. He had been the art director at um, at Nova before I turned up. Uh, he had an art assistant, an Australian woman, and he um, swore by this Australian woman. She was such a good art assistant for him that when David went recruiting, he chose somebody from down under, pretty back off, off the back of the reputation of the Australian woman had, that had been employed before me. Um, Harry was a very colourful Italian character, as was David. They, between them, they attracted the you know the best. Um, uh, illustrators, photographers, um, model makers and writers uh, from all over Britain and, and also some from Europe as well. So I was rubbing shoulders with these people. Uh, you know, my, my job was, um, as an art assistant, my job was to assist. So I made the coffee, I ran errands, I would get a call from, from David who'd be art directing, you know, the cover of, a, I think, the 
the the um, who who album cover of the time, um, and I would I was asked to run a you know run some you know run some lunch down to uh, one of the studios you know to Terence Donovan's studio so that I was very much an assistant you know from um, from doing daily chores um, but at the same time I overheard all the communication I was there in the room when they would debate very very um, loudly and aggressively. Um, which creative direction should be taken, you know, with the sub-editors and the writers um, and the model makers, you know, they were all, they would, they would all, it was very, very vigorous. And I learned early on to do great work involves lots of rigorous communication. Um, and and these, these people would, you know, swan in from other parts of Europe or other parts of, um, you know, American, Americans as well. And to de- to deliver their work um, and represent their work and so yeah a lot rubbed off you know it was um, uh, hanging out with these people occasionally I would be rewarded with designing a double page spread you know but that might be only every two weeks <laughs> the rest of the time I was assisting uh, but um, yeah those the, the, those individuals did have a big impact on uh, my understanding of not so much design but art direction. And, and the use of ideas, yeah, to to communicate, you know, to communicate well. Um, so yeah, people like Roger Law, who went on to start Spitting Image, um, Jean um, uh, Jean Paul Goud, who went on to create the Grace Jones um, imagery. Um, they were the people that were coming into the studio and hanging out, you know. And often David would be busy, the art director who I reported to, and uh, so I would. I would just chat with these people while they were waiting to, to see him or you know have a meeting with him. So yeah, so it was a very influential time. Did you ever feel like staying and living in England? <laughs> well, I did. Yes, I considered it seriously. But my um, father took ill. I came back here to dispatch my dad. Um, uh, they flew me back here to do that, which was fantastic. Um, I then went back for a while, um, but I decided that. I needed to do some more travelling. Um, I've been pretty much working full time up until then, and my, a lot of my friends have been travelling, and I hadn't been travelling, and so I just eventually I surrendered to the pressure of, <laughs> of travel. But I could, could looking back, could easily have you know could could have enjoyed staying. Yeah. So when you returned to Wellington in the 1970s, you became the art director at the Listener, which is an iconic New Zealand publication. Tell us how this role informed your design work. Well, you know, I was um, it was Ian Cross, the editor, that you know, obviously decided that that um, he'd you know give me a role. You know, um, they hadn't employed a designer up until then, and I applied. And um, so, but I from memory, I think you said to me, um, you know, I, th- I think you warned me it would fail at the beginning um, because they hadn't employed designers before and the sub-editors or submarines as we used to call them were all in Auckland and our stu- and we were in Wellington so I had to communicate I'd, we did the design work in Wellington and that design work had to be communicated via telex machine to the sub-editors in Auckland or by overnight courier and the telex communication times were limited and the, and the amount of couriers that could be sent were very limited as well so, however, we were able to use the telephone. <laughs> so, um, you know, they were, they were interesting times. 
but um, I enjoyed them hugely because I had people like Tom Scott and Robin Morrison and David McGill on my team, you know, um, supporting my, my outlandish, <laughs> what were considered back then outlandish design ideas. Um, Tom especially was very, very courageous. Um, we would have editorial meetings in Ian Cross's office uh, and, and uh, Tom would always go into bat for my ideas and, and help me. Um, and looking back, those um, editorial meetings were quite modern in structure because we would, it would, it was, we would all sit around, the, the journalists of the day, uh, and Robin and Tom and I and probably about four or five others would sit around and we would individually discuss what stories would be covered and how we would cover them. So I was very fortunate working with Robin Morrison's photography, you know, looking back, um, you know, I had worked with some great photographers beforehand, but not with great New Zealand photographers, you know, so it was great to be working with him, and and the way in which, um, you know, Tom ruled the roost at that time, apart from the day that, you know, um, Muldoon threw him out of, his, out, of, out of the press gallery, and he, so he missed that editorial meeting that day, I think he went to the pub and got pissed instead, which you can't blame him for. Um, but they were good times. We'd produced some good work, and, and uh, but I was, you know, my days were numbered. <laughs> so, what inspired your move from publication design to co-founding co a design studio that focused on corporate communication design? Well, um, at the Listener, um, I used a, uh, a freelance company called Publication Graphics that was owned by Ray LeBone and Trevor Plasted. They were both ex of Reed's publishers. Um, and they, they were going pretty well. So I used to do uh, illustration for me, the listener, graphics, artwork, maps, that sort of thing. And I really enjoyed using them. And so, and I was getting pretty restless um, at, the, at the listener. Um, although Ian Cross was supportive in theory, and you know there was there were changes happening, they weren't happening quick enough for me, and I was you know ready to go. So I spoke to Ray and Trevor, and I said, "How about I I pay rent on a bedroom in their office? It was a two bedroom flat they used as an office in Mount Victoria, so I paid rent on one room and set out to try and with a, on a new career to to um, to design magazines." Um, you know, I was broke. Um, Sue Alexander, we were expecting our first child. Um, I figured I could also f fit in a, a desk in our leaky flat <laughs> to do freelance work in the evenings as well. So, so yeah, I was. It was. It was. It was really. It was time for me to. You know, to to um, set out on my own. But with the with the help of Ray and Trevor, they continued to do book work. They did the best. They designed the best books in New Zealand for a five year period. They did great work, and I slowly started um, designing more and more magazines, um, from fashion catalogues mostly, um, and some eventually some corporate um, magazine work as well. Yeah. During the 80s and 90s, the language changed from corporate communication design to branding. And what did this mean for you and for the profession? Interesting question. When I had to remember the 80s, um, I shuddered. We, you know, we all thought we were design managers back then, you know, wearing suits and ties every day. It was terrible looking back. And, um, we took ourselves too seriously. Um, you know, our, our, but our profession was establishing um, new processes. You know, we, we were looking to other professions like lawyers, accountants, engineers. We were learning to build time properly. Um, the ad agency model was less relevant, you know, the commission earning model. So 
it was both good from a business point of view, but we, we all, I think we I think as a profession we got a bit sidetracked. Um, and the word branding is a terrible word. I, I resisted it for years. It's what cowboys do. And you know, but the disciplines of brand had a positive influence on standards and our standing as a profession over time. But it took us a while. Um, we lost our way on you know on on that journey. At the beginning of that journey, we do, I think we did lose our way um, because it, it sort of gave our profession a chance to overlook the importance of creativity. You know, because we were so taken by the science of brand. Um, some large brand focus studios, you know. They were all, st- all st- statistics and smoke and mirrors, and so poor design out the other end. Um, but that, thankfully, these days is you know that is that, that's part of the past. Maybe lurking a little bit out there, but um, it's it was an inter- it's been an interesting observing that transition from when brand first turned up, and it was this sort of spooky science that everybody wanted to try and overcomplicate. To now, um, everybody's pretty comfortable with it, and it has had a positive influence both on businesses, our clients, and on our profession. And do you use that word brand now, or do you? Oh, the word branding, I've yes, I've surrendered, <laughs> and uh, I have been known to use it <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> yeah. So, is there a particular project or experience that stands out for you during your years at DesignWorks, and that had particular influence on you? Oh, they, you know, they were exciting and exciting times. So, um, I suppose it was the pioneering nature of a lot of what we did. We found that, you know, we, you know, we we found and nurtured great talent. Uh, you know, we taught a few top businesses how to value design, and won some international awards. So, they were, you know, they were great times. And did you move to Auckland with DesignWorks? Um, we uh, had an Auckland office for about six or seven years before I moved up here. Yeah, so I was commuting on a regular basis for the last year of that. Then I moved up here permanently. But but we had staff running the Auckland office for uh, three or four, maybe up to five years before I moved up here permanently from Wellington. Mm. And was that a decision for the business or for yourself? No, it was, it was a decision for the business, but um, domestically it suited my... Um, Sue's family was, was up here and made sense to be up here. And then in 1999, um, you made the decision to leave DesignWorks and start a new studio with your daughter. Um, was there kind of a particular uh, reason to leave DesignWorks? Well, um, DesignWorks was, you know, was going gangbusters. It was growing fast. There were five partners, five equal partners at that stage. Um, we had 60 staff and three offices and um, I wasn't doing much designing <laughs> and so it was an opportunity uh, for me uh, and for Ray because we had actually both considered um, um, selling the company over a period of years to the younger partners so it was an opportunity that was, that period rolled around and it was a time for me to to um, embark on a, a new career with my daughter Kate um, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity um, you know, being in total control of our own destiny, it was good. Um, it was also um, another side issue. I had begun, um, sort of launched the DesignWorks Fellowship, Design Fellowship for graduate graphic designers. And that was sort of in its sort of um, heyday at that period when Kate was a graduate designer. And the only way we were taking in graduates was through that fellowship. Um, and the fellowship we had entries from all the design schools usually 
Um, and Kate would have had to been go through that rigorous process and 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 uh, would have had to have been the best graduate in the country at that particular year to have made it into design works which was and the, the standards were pretty tough back then I'm sure they're pretty tough now and so that was another reason for me embarking you know with on a, in a career with Kate because um, Kate was interested in business as well as, um, as you know as well as design um, and I was able to teach her a whole lot about business because when we embarked on our own, you know, um, business together at Studio Alexander. Mm. And did you choose to kind of keep it at that smaller size, at Studio Alexander? Um, we did keep it pretty small. Um, we, uh, for a long time, we, we didn't employ um, client service people. We, the designers did all the client service work, um, you know, the pentagram model where the designers... Uh, take responsibility for all the relationships and all the creative decisions, and uh, including the financial ones and time spent and quality assessed. And um, so we, we that worked for about um, I don't know seven eight years before we surrendered and <laughs> realised that we did need to have um, client service people, and that worked well. We you know we we um, launched a few careers and <laughs> employed found some really great people. Did some did some did some good work, um, I think. But none of it would have been possible without the love and support of Sue Alexander, who was also working in the business at that time. Uh, the you know the uh, one thing we were able to do was self promotional work. Have a lot of fun doing self promotional work. So we won some awards for that work. We competed well with the large studios. We you know I think. Over, the, over that decade, we, um, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we um, punched above our weight and did well with um, with awards and in the brand identity um, categories and self promotion categories, um, and some publication work as well. Um, Is there a particular project that stands out for you that you worked on with Kate? Um, well, there's. You know, we, there was there's still quite a few of those identities that are still out there that you know doing quite well with Fletch Construction, Brian Perry Civil and Higgins. Um, you know, they're you know they're identities that you know that are still you know some of them probably need in time you know a due a refresh now, but um, you know you know it's work that we're proud of and and served those businesses very well for quite quite a few years. Um, uh, so you know there was there were several several pieces of work, but nothing, no one, you know, I mean, lots of lots of good times, and and I was just thinking the other day about um, you know that we when we worked with um, Peter Haythamthwaite to design the the pedestrian signage for the downtown downtown Auckland, and and um, Kate and Peter and I um, taking full scale uh, three meter polystyrene. And cardboard models downtown under our arm, <laughs> and and placing them at intersections and uh, photographing them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, it wasn't all it, you know, it wasn't all um, graphics. You know, there was some environmental and three dimensional work that we did, which was also a lot of fun. And um, another thing that popped up for me and from your Creative Mornings talk in 2011 was a slide that you showed of a design titled Who Put the Iwi in Kiwi? And you went on to talk about this idea that as New Zealanders there's one thing that is unique about us in this country and that's our Māori heritage. Tell us about this thinking and how you've embraced it. 
Uh, well, it's just you know evolved over the years. Uh, I think being a, you know when you, once you've lived for over sixty five years in <laughs> in one country, you tend to um, I think become a little bit more um, aware of of why it's a wonderful country and 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 in the way in which it's different from other countries um, and why our culture is different. Um, you know, and I think I suppose an example of you know, we all as designers get exposed to corporate pressure to make changes because a bit of research tells us so, you know, as opposed to the bigger picture. You know? um, and so I think yeah, as designers we, we sort of owe it to ourselves to step back and understand as big a picture as we can in terms of cultural influences. And I think for me that an example of this is the Air New Zealand use of the Koru versus the, you know, the silver fern, which... The silver fern belongs to nobody. It's been so overused and abused. You know, it's, um, but I think probably what happened with the New Zealand, well, there's probably a silly bit of research that probably showed that the fern had better recall in San Francisco with millennials in the suburbs. <laughs> and, you know, so the, you know, the, the, the fern finished up on, on the plane. So for me, there's, we, you know, as designers, we sort of, uh, we need to sort of be wary. Mm. Be wary of research. <laughs> Um, I'm all for user-based research, but um, qualitative and quantitative research can often, you know, get in the way of good creative work or, you know, cultural appropriate cultural influences. So yeah, I think I also believe that, um, you know, that all most modern most countries, um, you know, uh, the OECD countries can could describe themselves or the big cities anyway could describe themselves as multicultural. So to describe ourselves as a multicultural, you know, Auckland multicultural city or as a multicultural country, I think is is saying we're the same as everybody else basically. Whereas if we if we can come to terms with our bulk, biculturalism, we are we are we're embracing something that nobody else you know nobody else can in terms of Māori and Pākehā. So. You know, I think our Aotearoa-ness is, um, is full of opportunity um, and it's interesting and meaningful. Um, and I'm pleased to see the, the um, Nā Aho Awards, the best category that um, acknowledges um, uh, all aspects, all design disciplines, but, this, but strong sort of um, collaboration between Māori and Pākehā. Um, so, yeah, that category is doing pretty well and it's good, that's good to see. I'm, I support that. I'm currently reading uh, Vincent O'Malley's book at the moment. It's called The Great War of New Zealand, um, which talks about the Māori and Pākehā wars in Waikato. Um, it's a huge slice of our history uh, that our generation wasn't taught. We get taught, taught and taught about the Great War, the First World War, and all the sufferings, and, and there were sufferings. But there are also a lot of suffering here and a lot of storytelling and uh, that, that is starting to emerge. And I think as designers, it's good to embrace that stuff. I mean, why did the, why did the Crown um, apologise over Parihaka just, you know, last month? Uh, because there is an acknowledgement that this has been interesting stuff go down. Um, and if you do a bit of reading around what was going down at Parihaka, the Māori appropriated the um, European... Um, uh, you know, European graphic traditions back then, and they did it beautifully. You know, so there's all you know, there's just stuff to be observed and stuff to be learned uh, from studying history and our history. 
so that's just you know one of the things that I, it's a bit of a hobby you know for me really but uh, the iwi and kiwi is just a convenient way of uh, you know opening up the subject mm. yeah so in the last year you've moved to on fire designers di- design director and how did this move come about and what does your role here entail well, it's, it's sort of, these days, it's, I'm really a coach. Um, I started off as a, in the role of design director. I've been here almost a year. I'm here because um, uh, Sam Allen is um, the principal here, is a very enthusiastic, good leader of a, of a, um, a very um, a t- a talented group full of unrealised potential. <laughs> so my role here was, you know, to, to help, help um, Sam and the team uh, improve creative standards um, and along the way help with a bit of um, governance and process. Um, I also do once a month I'll you know, do some internal educational work with the, with the team here just do two, two or three hour session um, I think we, um, we've got one coming up on, um, on topography and choosing typefaces and uh, so yeah they're a very uh, talented, talented young team. Um, also there was a client um, you know, the client service um, director here, Lisa Capel, who um, worked for me for three years, uh, and Lisa knew knows my client base, uh, and so the uh, the few of my clients that I'm still doing work with uh, feel very at home coming here and dealing with me here because they also know Lisa and Lisa knows their business. So there was you know two reasons for me for being here, but it's great to see that. Um, uh, they're making good progress. Uh, Sam and I talked about employing a new senior designer, and so Matt Grantham from Coates Design has now been here for two months as a senior designer. He's going gangbusters, doing great work, and things are really, you know, th- think it's just great to see the positive influence of, of a new, you know, talented person in the in the, in the company. Um, so as well as coaching, I'm also doing a bit of brand strategy for um, two on fire clients at the moment. So. Uh, there's, you know, there's, I'm able to help um, you know, both in coaching creative standards, but also um, design a brand strategy for their clients who, 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 um, you know, need it. Yeah. So, I promise this is the last quote from your Creative Mornings talk. But um, I really like the quote: "As creative people, finding contrast is really what life is all about." So, where are you finding contrast in your practice right now? Well, from memory, I think my quote probably related to other, uh, to, to creative people generally, you know, whether it's filmmakers, composers, choreographers, um, artists, I think, you know, we all seek it out um, and use it to harness emotional engagement. That, that's what we strive for, you know, so it's, um, uh, personally, at the moment, um, I'm embarking on a, um, the production of a book, uh, that I'm writing, designing, and overseeing, which is um, a we'll finish up um, gracing a few coffee tables in New Zealand, hopefully, <laughs> early next year. Um, so I'm so I'm back back with book design, which is you know one of my first loves. You know. It'll include a a, um, a very a very good uh, photo essay uh, that I've I've commissioned and art directed. Um, and also um, a story about it's a story about a a, um, a foundry in in um, in Auckland um, that has been running since the 1940s and it's running today like it did back in 1940. 
and I used the foundry as a, as a designer. Um, Karen Wilson introduced me to the business and when my designers and I walked through the door to have a tour of this business, we all looked at each other and our, our eyebrows went up and we thought, hmm, this would make a great <laughs> photo essay, a great book. So fast forward three years and here I am, uh, 85% through that project. So I'm finding, you know, I'm finding that uh, contrast is, is, is one, of the, one of the several ways in which I can um, put that project together in an interesting way. And throughout your career, how have you seen the New Zealand graphic design profession change? Well, I mean, it's, you know, I could pontificate for a long time, but I promise not to. I mean, ideas have always been and will always drive our profession. Um, different tools come and go. Um, for example, artificial intelligence is just another tool at our disposal. Um, so, I think it's that simple. Um, I think I've on record of saying this as well before, not letting technical you know, not letting technical expertise hijack the creative process, or you know, because you know we, there are some wonderful tools out there to help us, and they are all important. But nothing's more important than the idea process, um, and so that's something for all uh, young designers to be <laughs> to be aware of. <laughs> So you've talked about the book that you're putting together. Uh, do you have uh, additional personal design or creative practices? What do you mean by that? Uh, do you have uh, an art-making practice? Oh, uh, yes, yes. I, well, I've, I've been... Uh, I've had two exhibitions in the last three years. Uh, um, both involve collage, mm. photo collage, mixed media. Um, and uh, I probably after this book is published I'll probably return to have another show uh, some of them are small some of them are very small some are medium size I've only ever done one very large work so you know I mean uh, so yes you know I'll continue to be doing creative work um, that's if the book isn't successful <laughs> <laughs> I mean, commercially successful. Not that it needs to be. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. The future there'll be there'll be a creative pursuit of some sort, whether it's publishing, and or and or um, you know photo collage exhibition work. Uh, there'll be there'll be a project that will you know that will have no commercial bearing whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, what are your words of wisdom that you'd like to share with other graphic designers and creatives practicing out there? Well, I'd like you all to go and you know, buy issue 19 of Threaded Magazine, a wonderful, wonderful New Zealand magazine that um, most designers, I'm sure, know about. For those of you who don't know about, I can encourage you to go and look at it. So go to um, the back issue, number 19, and there's a, a double-page spread in that issue titled Alphabetical Wisdom that I have written. That's my mantra, printed for all to see in living colour. So, there it is. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks very much for your time today, Grant. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. You're welcome, Louise. It's been fun. For more information in relation to this interview, please go to the podcast links and resources on our website, designassembly.org.nz.